0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and it's August 30th, 2023. We're taping uh, you know, for you tomorrow, and uh, so we're going to go over what has been going on with the market. And to help me with that, as he does every week, is Arusha Paris. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin. Yeah, so we're right here uh, ahead of Labor Day. You got any Labor Day plans? Uh well we have our fantasy football draft <laughs> yes we do you should, you I knew the answer to that show one up this time <laughs> <laughs> right I'll show up this time uh, so yeah fantasy football drafts are happening um, but before we you know even get into the fantasy football we've got stocks to talk about and who better to talk about them with than David Ryan who was a three time in, uh, investing champion back in the 80s uh, he was a protege of William O'Neill he worked with him uh, ran the New USA fund. Um, ran a number you know ran a lot of money for for bill back in the day and then had his own hedge fund and now you can see him every week on tuesdays on IBD live uh welcome back to the show david how you doing
1: doing doing great it's always great to uh to talk the market with you guys
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I feel so lucky because um, back in November of 1997 it is the first time I ever saw David Ryan speak. I was just newly graduated from UCLA, uh, an alma mater that I share with uh, David Ryan. And uh, there he was speaking with Bill O'Neill. It was actually a UCLA USC game. So David had told everyone, I'm taping it at home, (laughs) and no one is allowed to tell me the score. And I was right there with him because I was doing the same thing. I had given up my uh, tickets to the UCLA USC game and was watching David Ryan Bill O'Neill speak. And that was kind of uh, a a life changing moment for me uh, in in, in stocks and my own investing career. Um, Before we go too far, I I hope that, that weekend.
1: Yeah, we um, should look that up. In yeah, we won that game. And then we should take that helmet down behind <laughs> right, <laughs> Re- Exactly. Replace it with a UCLA down. helmet. Yeah,
0: well, UCLA had a nice run because um, while I was going there, I not to brag, but UCLA never lost against USC. So I'm just going to I'm just going to wow. throw that out there. And, and I had a full five years there. So um, but uh, <laughs> I also want to throw up this picture real quick. Uh, this is. Um, You know, back in the day when David Ryan was working at the at the firm, uh, here he is surrounded by uh, the chart books, the big, you know, I think those are probably the maroon books over on the left. Um, He's got the daily graphs from the New York and the American, it looks like, uh, on the right hand side there. And uh, gosh, he's a little little baby there. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to your tie,
1: David? Sort of I should tie I, to the podcast. I, yeah, I know. Well, that's that's when they required you to wear that's ties right. at work. Maybe they should bring that back for uh, for IBD. <laughs> well, but they also had a lot of smoking in the office back then, too, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah. You, I was in the front cubicle, and there were, let's see, one, two, four going across and about five going back. And and some of those cubicles, well, all you would see was just smoke rising up from the cubicle. <laughs> oh. It was
0: it wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, here we are in the the current day and we've got a current market to talk about. One of the things that happened this week um, on, on Tuesday was a follow through day. So we had the index, especially the Nasdaq composite, drifting below the 50 day moving average line. Um, and then, you know, I mean look, a lot of us were getting bearish. I mean, especially after that Thursday when NVIDIA reported its earnings, the market gapped up, got resistance at the 50-day moving average line, uh, tail, and it just seemed like, oh, well, how negative can you get? Uh, how negative a day can you get? That just was a classic downside reversal. But here we are back above that. What, what do you think of uh, the action here, David?
1: Well, yeah, I, I, very surprising. I mean, I thought it was gonna, it was gonna continue on on down, but it uh, it held. I mean, it got very oversold, so I expected if you know, it, we've had about three or four days now up. Now it'll be very interesting to see if it can hold or if we go back down. If we go back down below that, that wouldn't that that wouldn't be good. But if you can just drift off for a few days and then continue on, uh, that would be good. The one thing I'm am seeing though is um, not as many, not as much participation. Um, there are a few groups that are doing well, uh, but uh, it, will the market come back as strong as it was back in you know, June and July, uh, maybe May June and July? So we'll just have to see how it uh, how it plays out.
2: So, David, you're you're the the volume expert here, uh, and so when I look at the the volume down here uh, on the Nasdaq, I know it's lighter volume around here, especially right before Labor Day. Does that bother you here? Does that make maybe make take a look at that follow through day a little bit uh, a little bit more uh, be a little bit more suspicious about the signal?
1: Yeah, you sh- you you would really like to see volume above average daily volume when you are following through um and yes you do have to take into consideration that we are in a holiday you know leading up to a holiday and so the volume is naturally going to be lighter than it than it usually uh is and there's always i've always found in a holiday week like this there seems to be a bias to the upside there's uh, i don't know maybe everybody who would Who wants to sell or has already sold, or they're going to wait until they come back after Labor Day. So there seems to be a bias to the upside in a a week like this. So, but yeah, well, uh, I think they will really see what the market's going to be like when we get back to Tuesday of next week. Yeah. So now, David, you made a a pretty bold
0: call that you think that the NASDAQ has hit its highs for the year. So your expectation was that, um, you know, we're not going to, we might go back and forth a little bit, but we're not going to have a roaring bull here uh, to, to end the year. But you're also flexible. Um, I mean, sometimes Twitter demands that you make the definitive statement and not right. be wishy-washy. But then, of course, if you're uh, too definitive, then they're, you know, very quick to say, "Oh, you were wrong. You know, how, how dare you?" Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah. does the, does this follow through
0: day change your your stance at all?
1: Well, let, let's say this is that uh, I have I have turned around. I covered any shorts that I had, mm-hmm. and I started adding to some of the positions and and buying a new a couple new positions. Uh, to that. So I'm not like, you know, set my feet in concrete and I'm not moving. Um, If I see the market, I mean, you always have to be flexible. And I was, I wasn't using the NASDAQ composite. I was using more of the, the triple Q's looking, looking at, um, you know, the seven, I guess they call them seven or eight magnificent stocks Mm -hmm. uh, and what they were doing. And a lot of those have had huge moves for the year had come off. A number of them went through, were below the 50-day moving average. Now a few of them have, have moved back above that. Um, so they're kind of writing themselves that I would still be surprised. I mean, we're not that far away, but um, I would be very surprised if these came on and just had another huge ripping move to the, to the upside after what they've already done hmm now I, just this... one quick I, well, before you go there arusha i
0: have to interrupt and just say ucla did beat usc <laughs> on november 27 <laughs> 1997 the score was 31 <laughs> to 24 thank you so much Allie, for looking that up in the background <laughs> while we were talking so well, was go troy
2: ahead with troy aikman the
0: quarterback at that point I'm no no it, it I, I think it was team. i think it was, oh, no, it was uh, 97 Kaden, 97 this before okay what was it Kaden Kaden down at that point um I'll have to look that up too. Okay, cool. <laughs> but go ahead, Arusha. Well, um, I, I don't I like know. that interruption at all, Justin. Uh, <laughs> right? Exactly. But, see, we, uh, see if we can edit it in post. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, David,
2: now during this pullback or, or you know, kind of this correction that that we just had, how did you handle kind of the individual positions? Were you lightening up a lot, going a lot to cash, or were you holding on to some of the ones that you might have had some bigger gains?
1: Um, I I would lighten up on the ones where I didn't have much of a gain, or if I was even on them, those would be the first ones I would I would kick out, and then even on ones that I had a big gain, then I would even cut back some of those, and then uh, and and then it helped <clears throat> to be short some stocks mm-hmm. um, as the market came off that that helped protect, and so. Uh, but some of the names I've been with for a long time, I continue to uh, continue to stay with those.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit because you were you were pretty big on the TBT trade. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, this is one where if you want to be short bonds uh, and go in the direction of yields, uh, that's something where you can use um, TBT or uh, there's the the the, tri- the triple leverage TMB. Um, but you were you were pretty bullish on the TBT, as you saw Rates going up, um, the ten-year Treasury going up, a, a lot of these yields uh, increasing. Uh, but it seems like one of the things that really helped this market was that we see, we saw the yields come down quite a bit. Yeah. Is um,
1: yeah, and do then, you use this
0: macro picture?
1: Oh yeah, um, I mean I try to look at uh, as many things as I possibly can to give me a clue to which way the market's going, and and when that started moving up and out of that that uh, that base, I guess it was in the 30s, mid 30s. That, um, yeah, right there, that, that's where I, I started buying that position back because it had based out for a long period of time. Now it, it got close to the highs, but then I think a, a week ago, it might've been on a, uh, yeah, last week this it actually gapped down,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: held above the 21 day moving average. And so I did cut back some on that position and, but I held the rest, but then, uh, yesterday when, when, uh, the, that jolts number on the uh, unemployment came out, then those things really started to break. And so I actually eliminated the rest of the position. Now, today, I guess they were up just fractionally. So we'll see if they can hold in here. Uh, but I, I, get a, uh, you know, I get a great clue of what the market's going to do. By looking at what interest rates are going to do, what what the uh, what the dollar is doing, what commodities are doing, so uh, there's a lot of things that go into uh, my stance on the market. It's it's not just the index. It's it's a lot with of individual stocks, but it's some of these these other things. And I think on, on one IBD uh, live uh, segment we showed the relationship between the TBTs and mm-hmm. and the and growth stocks or the triple Q's. And you'll see that when rates are going up, the Q's are going down. And when rates are coming down, the Q's are, are moving up. So there's a, a great correlation between between or at least inverse correlation between the two.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you're not worried about looking at too many indicators to create maybe too much noise.
1: Um, no, I mean, it's, there, I mean there's not that much. I mean, it, you really should be looking at interest rates because the interest rates are the price, price of money. And every individual, every business in the country is affected by interest rates and, and, and where they're going. So uh, I think that's an important factor to look at. Uh, but, yeah, you never want to put all your weight into one indicator. But a lot of mine, it, yeah, again, comes from, can I find enough individual stocks to buy? Uh, and, and can I employ my money? How, what position can I get in these stocks? So that's where I get a big clue to what's mm-hmm. going on.
0: And, and maybe you just kind of answered this, but I was going to ask a follow-up to Arusha's question is, you know, when you're looking at a number of different indicators, um, what do you do when, you know, different indicators are telling you different things like, um, or, or sometimes those relationships break down where you expect an inverse relationship, but then all of a sudden they're going together, um, what what do yeah. you kind of do in those situations well
1: they, then it, go, it all goes back to the individual stocks do we, are there enough yeah. individual mm-hmm. stocks to to be fully invested or if not at what what percentage invested uh, am i one one indicator that a lot of people always seem to bring up which i have i found is good but it's it's so inexact is a sentiment You know, when everybody says, oh, you know, the sentiment is so bad that the market has got to rally. Well, you just don't know where that level is, where the market really is going to start moving higher. And so some of these things are very, very general, and some of them can be a little bit more precise.
0: I always think of the sentiment as kind of telling me what kind of environment I'm in, and then I use the price to kind of do the timing, you know, in the same way that a lot of times fundamentals on an individual stock will tell me, Hey, I'm, I'm in a stock that a a good company. And then the chart is that confirmation piece that tells me, you know, again, what, what the timing is. Um, that's, that's, that's what I do personally. Um, uh, what about the Russell 2000, um, small caps, uh, you know, a lot of times people look at the small cap market and, you know, as a gauge of how much strength we can expect, um, Certainly, the, you know, the small caps were definitely hit hard by the the March, um, you know, bank banking crisis that was going on with Silicon Valley and so on. A lot of regional banks in the Russell 2000. Um, This got support at the 200 day moving average line, but doesn't look nearly as strong as the Nasdaq. Um, How does this factor into your analysis?
1: Uh, well, it's it's just one more sector of the the market, smaller stocks. I mean, I, I can see that the the relative strength rating on it is 59, and it's close to its lows, and even, and it's really been sideways. Um, it's really been sideways for most of this uh, most of this year when i when i look at the chart yeah i guess it came down and made a, a low last june and it's just been bouncing between about 200 and 160 mm-hmm. 170 back and forth and just and basically going sideways and even even in the last couple of days it's rallied but again on very light volume right back into its its 50 day moving average so uh, and and there are a lot of financials that are that make up this index and you would like to to see a little st- a stronger strength in the financials because that's you know if banks are doing well usually the the overall economy is doing well, so but this is one I I rarely if ever trade and it's it just looks like a big sideways movement uh, yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the the sectors that are are looking more interesting to you right now? Uh, it's, you know if. Uh, if I, if you bring up, uh, it's G thirty five thirty three. That's um, what that was is, it G thirty five thirty three is the symbol. It's oil and gas machinery and equipment, and um, this is formed a nice. It it had a, a move up from its lows in May and June, uh, and up uh, and it's just kind of drifted off for a, about. Two or three weeks and now looks like it's starting to go into at least a that's a that might be a, a nine month high uh that's where uh i found a, a number of individual stocks doing well and then there was also um g1310 which is uh u.s gas and exploration that's this has been consolidating for the last uh over year has come up, kind of built a kind of a handle and seems to be doing a little bit better. And that's a lot of this. This will be, uh, you know, uh, influenced by the, the price of uh, of oil. So uh, but this is one group that held very well as the other parts of the market came off and seems to is, have come up fairly nicely in the last, last few days. And we'll definitely get to some of the stocks that are in the oil and gas um, space in our third
0: segment. But. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have David Ryan talk to us a little bit about how to do your position sizing properly. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.
0: Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host. And uh, Rusha Paris, who joins me every week, is here uh, from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager over there. And then joining us on the show this week is David Ryan, three-time U.S. investing champion back in the 80s, uh, portfolio manager with William uh, O'Neill for a number of years, and then also had his own hedge fund and is currently a contributor on IBD Live every week. So uh, David, let's get into the topic of the, of the week here and it's position sizing, which can be such a big, it's kind of a personal decision, right? Everyone has their own risk tolerance, but mm-hmm. there's certainly uh, some ways to do it and some ways not to do it. Uh, what can you share about your kind of overall outlook on how to position size properly?
1: Well, uh, first of all, yes, as, as you said, it is personal and for it all a lot of it depends on where you are in terms of age, where you are in terms of your uh, just your economic standing or, or how much you're making, or you know, do you, do you own a home? Are you married? Do you have kids? A, a lot of that can be influenced uh, by that. And And so when I think about when I made my, my greatest gains, uh, it was when I was, I was single and I had no home. And if I, you know, if I took too much risk or if I, if the, I, I blew up or had some real downturn, uh, that I had, you know, another 40 years of income, uh, you know, by working in, in jobs and such. So I could afford to take more risk, but then as the years have gone on and you have, Five kids in a home and and such, then you start thinking a little bit more conservatively. And then I'm not that as a, nearly as aggressive uh, as I one, was during that time. But I wanted to bring this, uh, this sort of two different topics: uh, concentration and and margin, uh, borrowing money to buy stocks of when uh, you know h- how this should work. So if you're in a position. Uh, where you can take more risk then i would recommend and, and bill even said this in your in um uh in his book uh that if you have maybe up to two thousand two hundred thousand dollars in the market or less you really shouldn't be buying more than four positions four or five positions uh, and then maybe if you've got a lot more go up to ten but But once you start getting beyond 10 positions, then uh, you have to really pick a number of really good stocks to make some huge gains. If you want really, you know, large gains where you can get over a 50 percent move in your portfolio in a year or the 100 percent three years in a row that I had back in the 80s, you really have to bring it down to really four or five positions. And so so I would say four to five positions, 20 percent in each one max um and then um and then if one of the positions really takes off and you get another chance to add after it's had a really nice move let's say a stock goes from 25 to 40 and then pulls back to 35 over 4 or 5 weeks and then starts off again that that can take you can go from a 20% position which is probably now because you've gotten some appreciation and add another 10% or even another 15% where it's like 40% of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then it takes off again and you have another run. Uh, well, that's where you can really make some, some big money, but you have to watch them very, very closely. Um, And uh, and when I was talking to my son, Sean, who's done well in these U.S. investing championships in the last couple of years, what he's doing is he's really concentrated. I mean, he's not four and five positions. He's one or two positions. But he says when he takes a huge position in something, he's focused on it so closely that he's watching it almost all day long. And if Mm -hmm. something starts not working out, he's quick to uh, to sell it back. But. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid of sizing up on even uh, even larger on subsequent basis. And I, yeah, I know I, I had some of sometimes forty percent of my capital in one stock, but that was that was in a you know at a time when all, uh, most of my stocks were doing well. And I would look to also sell into strength uh, on some of these stocks, uh, and not wait until they started rolling over. Uh, so I would actually take some gains on the way, way up, and then may even cut the position way back, hold it longer, wait for another base, and then go back into that same stock in, in a big way. So And so,
2: David, let, let me interrupt you for one second here. So how would you balance that between I'm going to hold this one going from the, the 20 to 25% and and then pulling back and then eventually building up the 15% to the other one? where I'm going to sell this one into strength, into a smaller position and ride through a base?
1: Well, I, if, if, if I have a stock that's made an, a, a really nice move and it looks to be one of the leaders in the market and, and everybody is starting to focus on it, um, I will still, even if I've gotten it up to a 40% position or it's a 25% position, it has this great move, I'll still sell it down when I think it's very extended and bring it back down to a 10% position. But I don't want to leave it. I do not want to lose it out of my portfolio because once you take it off the screen, lots of times you're looking the other way one day and the thing takes off and goes without you. So um, so I, if if I find that, that this is one of the true leaders in the market, I do not want to lose the position. I just want to maybe trade it down a little bit more. So then the question is, when you are focused, you have four to five positions when do you use margin Mm -hmm. now margin should be only used for very brief periods of time. When I hear somebody says, yeah, I'm on margin all the time. I say you're crazy because you can lose a lot of money uh, when you're on margin, when the market sells off, especially if you're in growth stocks, because uh, you know, a a normal pullback in a growth stock can be 20 to 25%. And if you're fully margined that that's even a larger percentage. So There are, I say, there's weeks or months uh, that you can be on on margin and really push it, but when should those times be? Well, I would, you, Justin, you've probably gone over, you know, power trend rallies. Mm -hmm. That's a great time when everything is going in the same direction. You've got the. 21 day above the 50 day the 50 day above the 200 day all three of those are in nice uptrends, that's a time when you can push you can go on to margin and um, and 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 use some uh, some capital that's not not yours mm-hmm. but um, but then also um, margin can be applied when also when you've really nailed elite one or two of the top leaders in the market Mm -hmm. that's when when you have the confidence that you pick these things up early and you're starting to get gains in them and the market is taking off that's when you should have the confidence where you can go ahead and borrow more money and increase those positions uh, appropriately at, at times when they either pull back or build new bases um, so, uh, do do rates come into play here? Because I mean, right now, I think people are maybe a
0: little shell shocked if they were using margin a few years ago, and it was like, oh, you know, the margin rates are five percent, uh, and now if, if they if they've used margin lately, they're thirteen percent, you know, <laughs> and, and and higher for the margin rates. Is is that a factor for you to maybe not use margin if the? Not, if no, the rates I know so I. High?
1: no because you're really only using it for a short period of time so you might okay. be on margin for 3 weeks and yeah. then off you go mm-hmm. or you know maybe if it's it's a great run and for 2 months you're on margin boom you come off so mm-hmm. in 2 months you divide that let's say at 12% rates i mean you're you're just paying a few percentage points to the, right. to use that money so it's not like you're there all year wrong it's just it's for very short brief periods of time when you're in a really nice a nice move. And, uh, and I was looking up, uh, you know, O'Neill said that you should use margin in the first two years, or you can use margin in the first two years of a bull market. But when you start seeing your individual stock starting to small stall or the market starting to stall, uh, then you got to quickly come off of that margin because Mm -hmm. it can be a, it can, it can be great on the upside, but it can kill you on the, on the downside. Um, And so during this period of time, during the '80s, that's that's when um, that's when I was using margin. I really haven't used margin in years uh, because I, I I have no need for it. So mm-hmm. then, do you want to um, show those uh, those numbers that I yeah one, yeah one
0: more question before we get there? Um, I guess for the concentrated position, one of the biggest I guess fears maybe that people have is what if the four stocks that I choose I don't get the winner you know if if i you know that's just not enough uh to increase my chances of picking that nvidia what if i get all the others and i don't get the winner and so i'm either out of position chasing the the leader afterwards or you know what what happens there?
1: Well, usually, if if you're in a, a bull market, it's going to last longer than a couple months. It should last for a year and a half. You're going to have other chances along the way to get those ones that took off without you. Some kind of pullback, some kind of base building along the way uh, that you can then move out of the ones that sh- that might just might not be keeping up with the leaders. And sell those and move that money into uh, into the leadership. So, mm-hmm. if you don't nail them right at the first move out, you're going to have. And if, if you look at any stock that has had a great move, they give you, you know, four or five chances to get get into them on a, on another base. Yeah, so. perfect. So, where did you want to start with charts? Um. Well. Um, well, do you have the? Well, we'll start. I mean, you can start right there, right with uh, with Circuit C- City. Circuit this, City. Okay. This was a stock that that I bought all the way back. I mean, this is back in, I think, yeah, 1984. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see this stock actually had already made a move. I mean, it came up from five or six dollars a share up to 17. And then it put in this long base for a number. Yeah, look at the move that thing has made. Now, see, that has already had a three for one split and a, t- a three for two split. This was a turnaround situation. This was, this. Um, it used to be called Wards all the way going back in the eighties, changed the name to Circuit City and was the competitor to Best Buy. And so you can see a beautiful cup and handle that the stock made and relative strength line going into new high ground. Uh, right as the stock was going to new high ground. And the other thing to notice is is you see the uh, down in the volume how the average daily volume was drifting off, coming off. It actually looked like it had dropped in half during that consolidation um, as the stock was building a base. And that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And then the three tight weeks that it had right before it broke out, that's I'm always keying off, off of that. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's where the, the well there there you can see the buy right there at uh right above 16. Um the first day it looks like it broke out and it finished half range, middle of the range, or even the lower range, but then it continued out, pulled back, and then look at the move that it made. I mean, that's a 16 to 29 move, so you get a 50% move out of that stock. I didn't sell it into strength, but it looks like I so, I sold it right when that thing broke the 50-day moving average. So I still got a, I still got a 16 to 24 move. So that was still a 50 percent, um, uh, 16 yeah uh, yeah 50 percent move on on that stock. And this and, is pretty and what quick. About, This is well,
0: not like a 18-month move, like for a lot of no. this is this is very quick. So were you kind of doing these quick, uh, quicker trades and? kind of compounding that way for your yeah, investing change yeah,
1: because then then I would take that and I would move it into another stock or I'd have another one at that that same time. But when a stock is is doing this, that's where you want to hit it hard. And you can really have another buy spot there at, at 1850 where it came pulled back right down to that 50 day moving average. Mm-hmm. And the volume was a lot was lighter. And then look at the volume come into that stock as it started moving back up and out. Now, I mean,
2: that was a pretty big going from 22 back down to 18.15,
1: 18.50, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? That's, you know, that's 20% and in people, just a few days, right? Yeah, number yeah. Number people
2: might get shaken out there. What, what, what would you say to that kind of scenario?
1: Well, I, I mean, it had one day, one day of volume, and um, it was still above the 50-day moving average. You know, to, to have any big winner, you have to give it some room. If you are selling it every, you know, 10% drop in a stock, or even a 15% of dr- drop in a stock, uh, you're never going to have a big winner because they're all going to do that at one point or another, uh, and mm-hmm. then it's hard to get to get back into it.
0: Mm-hmm. And and is this um, you know what, what was your position size at the at the time? Do you remember? Were you dead like, kind of uh, four? Yeah, you know, no, I know. I I'm pretty sure of. it
1: was at least a 20% position, if not uh, if mm-hmm. not bigger. So mm-hmm. I would start my position sizes higher. You have to start higher to uh, to do that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, this is is what that looks like on the weekly chart. Um, You want to discuss a little bit about uh, Franklin Resources? Yeah, Franklin Resources. Um, Here's another one uh, where the stock had gone from 10 to 30, built a base. And uh, this was just one of the companies that were the forefront of mutual funds. And... uh, But... I, I said this, I've, I think I said this a number of times. Lots of times I just let the market tell me which, which are the strongest stocks. I let them, I watch to see which stocks can double. Mm-hmm. I, I look to see them build a new base and I get the next double out of them if I, if I hadn't gotten them before. But here's a stock that had a, a really nice move and then uh, actually even split, but then put in a, a nice, that looks like a six week, five to six week base. And, uh, all the volume, look at the volume all along that move. And even, even when it pulled back for just a couple of weeks in the base that, uh, that I, I bought that, uh, you know, the volume was below average weekly volume on that, mm-hmm. uh, on that situation.
0: And so I mean, that's there, just such you're... a telltale
1: sign when you see all of that volume come in, when the, when yeah. the moving
0: average line, you know, <laughs> goes up that much on the move up, you know, that Institutions are getting in there, um, so yeah. What were you going to say, Rusha?
2: Yeah, when when you
0: were trading
2: in the the U.S. Investing Championship, uh, what were the ty- type of position sizes you were were taking at that point?
1: Yeah, it you was remember? anywhere. Yeah, anywhere from twenty percent, or even for a short period of time, maybe even forty percent, when a stock was just going through an incredible run. But they were all big. They were all. It wasn't a five percent position. It was starting at ten, quickly going to a twenty, and then uh, and then just managing the trade as it got extended. Maybe cutting back, waiting for a new base, and then and then going again. So this is this is one that um, yeah, I actually just took took the gain after because look at how many days that was probably eight or nine days that it that it went from thirty to forty, a thirty three percent move. Went ahead and took that. And I was very fortunate because I think the next day uh, the wall street journal came out with a herd on the street column. Oh, geez. <laughs> Bashing the stock. And you see what yeah. happened. The thing dropped from 40 down to 30. And then I just sat and I waited for it to, to, to settle down volume to dry up. And you can see the average daily volume dry, you know, drops again and, and then starts coming on. Look, look at the average daily volume during that time, 8,000 shares. I mean, that's, that's when, you know, before the market had its big, huge, well, that was part of the start of the big bull market. But anyway, you see the downtrend line and the break of the downtrend, and there it is again going and going up on some really nice volume. So back, back into the stock again. So you can play these things uh, multiple times. Mm-hmm. And for those folks that are maybe listening to this
0: um, and are, are missing out on the charts, remember you can always go to investors.com/podcast to see the charts that David Ryan is talking about. Um, unfortunately, these are charts that we can't pull up in MarketSmith anymore because these these companies, uh, you know, no, no longer exist sometimes. So uh, that, that's why we're using these uh, these charts from from older uh, and and other areas. Um, but yeah, it looks like uh, you you waited and, and
1: bought this one again. Right, and and had another another great move. Yeah, see, look at look how so then it goes from twenty, and then I guess I added I added to it again at at thirty, and now this is split adjusted, I guess, and then it has another move to fifty. And you know when when you see something going up at that rate, that usually is a is a blowout, a climactic run, and I think I just I waited I I waited for the first stalling day. To start selling some of the position and then i then i sold the rest of the position later as it as it started breaking down sometimes it's hard when you you've made so much money on a stock or you, it, it starts becoming like you're you know a child and you just can't <laughs> you just can't lose it you can't get rid of it and and you and you want to hold on to it and i guess that's why i stayed in until it actually broke that little base uh, right below 46 i guess uh huh. Um, so, you know, sometimes uh, it, it looks like when you were going through
0: your notes, you'll do a little post analysis. And uh, here's an example of some some post analysis notes that you wrote on a couple uh, yeah. charts that you had.
1: Yeah, this is you know, this is all we had back then. Everything was a printed copy. And so, uh, you know, so this is where I lost money on a on dress barn. Uh, back, I guess it's 1986, where I thought I was buying a breakout and it looks like it broke out for a day or two and then it pulled right back in. And And I, I think what I was doing is that the position sizing, even to the st- that this start was too big. That's why I said way too big under market conditions. So mm-hmm. the market might not be in the greatest of shape. This stock really, I mean, that's, when I look at that, I go, what was I thinking? That base just does not, even the move up from 20 to 25, it looks like three moves into a top and then, and then it just quickly rolled over mm-hmm. uh, the, the same thing on this uh, world, new world pictures. You're only seeing the, you really didn't see the rest of that base, but Um, I guess I bought it as it was coming out of 22. And once it dropped right back into the base, then I, I started, I sold the position, but I think I bought that too big uh, right at the beginning. So, um, so just, but these are things that you should be doing. You should be printing out these charts when you're buying them or when you're selling do a post analysis because boy that will reveal more you'll learn more about yourself your trading habits and your mistakes than anything that that anybody can tell you because you know why you're making these decisions and it's best to really study your own actions in the market Mm -hmm. Do you so, remember what
2: position size uh, you were, you were going with? Uh, you, with those you know,
1: I don't, uh, I, I don't know, but I see, you know, 5,000 shares at 20, that's a hundred thousand shares. I mean, if my, uh, you know, an 85, I mean, that, that sounds like a, uh, that sounds like a 20% position mm-hmm. at that time. And, and so,
0: you know, for both of these, you're saying that it was too big under market conditions. So yeah. do you, do you scale back your position size depending on, your your feelings on the market
1: strength yeah if if the market is you know if i'm not if if i'm not getting good feedback from maybe other stocks i own or the market in general uh or i just can't find that many names then i shouldn't be starting out as a you know as a 20% position right off the bat i should start scaling it should be more 10 then 15 then to the 20 but mm-hmm. not that not that big all at once
0: Right. Um, and, you know, speaking of kind of getting that big all at once, is this something that, you know, when when someone's just starting out, should they should they kind of use this methodology or is this something that you want to kind of work your way into? Um, what, yeah, what, that's what's kind of the best thing for beginners. Yeah,
1: that's a good way. If you're just starting out, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be buying in size right off the bat because you're going to make a lot of mistakes in their, your first two years, your first first, you know, up market and down market. And so it's best to, I, I've even said, take 90% of your money, put it in T bills, use the 10% that you've got, because you're going to make a lot of mistakes, even on that 10%. And it's better to do it on a small amount of money than your, all your capital. Once you get the experience, once you start having success, then you start adding more money to the market.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you kind of mentioned that, you know, when you were younger, you were a little bit of a gunslinger. Um, now that you, you know, you don't need to use margin now, you know, it's not like you're you're trying to, you know, make the big bucks. Uh, you've you've kind of a lot of times kind of trying to keep what you have. So have you shifted this to more positions, uh, smaller position sizes or how have you adjusted?
1: Yeah, more more positions, um, you know. Th- now, what, what uh, the capital I'm working with now, I'm, I'm going to 10 positions. But even some of those, when they start working and they're doing well, then that's not going to be a 10 percent position with appreciation and buying additional bases. They can get up to 20 or 25 percent of the portfolio with something that's uh, that's been working. Mm-hmm.
0: And we've got one more thing uh, that as you were doing research Uh, that you came up with that you wanted to share. Uh, So go ahead and tell us what we're looking at. Yeah.
1: And this, uh, you know, so I had to go back when I, uh, and look at my tax returns for these years when I was uh, winning these U.S. investing championships. And, and I, and I looked at the, what I was being paid at O'Neill and the capital gains I was making. And so you can see in 85, my salary was 25,000, but my capital gains were 52,000 in the market. And then the next year, I guess I got a raise, I was making 34,000, but I had capital gains of 255,000. So that was almost seven times what I was being paid. And then the next year I was up to 58,000 and my capital gains were 449,000, which was almost eight times or so. But, it's, it, but this is where I was using margin. I was using concentration. And you can see the power of the compounding when you can do this, uh, you know, a number of years in a row. It's just amazing how how big the numbers can get.
0: Yeah. And let's not forget 1987, you know, that that's when the big crash happens. So right. It like you. uh were able to retain a lot of gains if uh, if at the end of the year, at the end of the tax year, you still had that sizable capital gain that you were
1: looking Yeah, I, I still remember August of 87, I got married and uh, d- during my honeymoon, the market was up, but right as I came back, it looked like the market had topped out. It had one last move in October, but there wasn't anything that was working. And then it just rolled over and died, but I was, I was out long before the crash, the market had topped in August and it crashed in October.
0: Mm-hmm. And were these years, um, your US investing championship years too? Yes, yeah. yeah. So, uh, cause I know you had a number of back-to-back years where you, you won the investing championship and were you using the, this position size of you know roughly 20, 25%? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: this is where I was really aggressive on the position sizing and also um, uh, use of margin.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome stuff. Uh, Thank you so much for kind of opening, opening a little window into your, your U S investing championship days. Um, what it was like when you were first starting out and how you got that early success that helped, uh, kind of launch your, your whole entire career. So thanks a lot for sharing that. And, uh, we'll take a break right now, but when we come back, David Ryan is also going to share some of the stocks that are on his radar right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single
2: stock, daily leveraged, and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives,
0: risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com.
2: Read carefully.
0: Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, who joins me every week from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager over there. And our special guest this week is David Ryan, three-time U.S. Investing Championship uh, winner uh, back in the 80s. And then he was also a you know, portfolio manager for Bill O'Neill uh, at William O'Neill and Company for a number of years uh, was going on the circuit, speaking uh, to Investors Business Daily and. Um, daily graphs members uh, back, back in, in those days, he was kind of uh, the sidekick to Bill O'Neill. And then of course he had his own hedge fund. And now you can see David Ryan every week on IBD live on Tuesday mornings. Um, So David, let's talk a little bit about the, the stocks that have been on your radar. And I just want to point out you're you've got a number of oil and gas names here, but you were really pointing out on IBD live, the oil and gas shift. I mean, well, first of all, you were really on top of the commodity shift. I mean, this was back with the with the fertilizers uh, a, a couple of years ago when the fertilizers were coming back on very strongly. Um, and then the, the commodity play that was happening in a lot of 2022. Um, and now, just a few weeks ago, you were kind of back on oil and gas. Uh, what was it that you were seeing in this area that kind of uh, made it a little bit more attractive to you?
1: Well, I mean, going back to, I guess it was even, uh, 2021 where some of those fertilizing stocks, fertilizer stocks and, and other kind of cyclical, uh, type of stocks, commodity type stocks were making their move. It was right when, uh, especially later in the year when a lot of tech stocks and a lot of growth stocks were topping out, it was, the market was, was shifting and it's, it's, it's. I've, I've just been through some of these cycles a number of times before, and I just know that sometimes when commodity prices move up, there are companies that really can take advantage of that and make a lot of money. And I've, I've seen it happen a number of times. And so so when I started seeing these stocks starting to outperform and their relative strength lines starting to move up and, and, and breaking on a basis, that's when... Uh, I go, hey, I've seen this happen in the 90s or in the 80s and, mm-hmm. and, and it can happen again. And, and even, even Bill in his book, he, he, he really only dedicates, I think, one page to cyclical stocks. But he said 25% of, the, 25% of some of the greatest winners are cyclical companies. So they can make some big moves. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, I'm just a growth stock player. But well, there are times where growth won't work and cyclicals will work, but, you know, but and and that's and that's fine because you'll get your bigger, longer, more consistent moves out of uh, out of growth stocks. But so so again, this year, um, you know, crude oil had been coming down for a number of uh, really actually uh, it'd been coming down for most most of the year. I guess it topped. Uh, I'm looking at USO topped in. Um, six, uh, really all the way back last year, 6.17 of 2022 and made a low, really, I guess there was a low uh, earlier in the year in March, and then it kind of consolidated and started moving up in June. And it really broke a downtrend line uh, in June. And so I started looking at some of the names that that were actually outperforming or, or moving up along with that. And the first one was Tidewater. And you can see Tidewater was actually in a, in a nice up move mm-hmm. from October of last year all the way up into March. It made a you know, it's a 26 to 51. Almost doubled in price. Uh, and then it got hit and then started going back and forth, back and forth between 50 and, and 40. And then when it started coming out, tightened up, uh, and that looks like at the end of June. June 20 uh, 29th it it is really the buy point broke out and made a nice move from 50 up to 67 and and then it has drifted off uh, drifted off for the last couple of weeks and the volume's lightening up today was up it was up nicely and so it looks like it might be just starting to uh, to break that downtrend and and start an, another move but the important thing too I I do a lot is when I I'm interested in a company, I listen to conference calls, I go to their website, I get as much information I can on the stock. And so when that stock uh, gapped down on earnings, you would have to go to the interday chart on uh, when it uh, when it uh, opened uh, or was as high as 65, <laughs> 75, and then was as low as 56 Um I knew a little bit more about the company. I listened to their conference call and they said things, things were actually going very well. And so, um, so I stayed with the stock. I didn't sell it out there, but that's, that's an advantage of, of listening to conference calls. When I think I, I even said this on IBD live at that, the CEO said, we have never ever seen conditions as good as they are now. Now, why should you sell a stock when a, when a company's saying that? and they just reported a, a huge a huge number. So that's why I've stayed with it and uh, and I, I still have uh, the position mm-hmm. uh, and then also in that group is also um, this is Oceaneering International, which is OII. and here's another one a little bit lower in the base uh, but this was also, I started buying it on um, on June 30th as it started coming out of that base at uh, like 1859 into a little new high ground. Moved up for a couple of days, pulled right back down onto where it, it, it first came out of, and then it took off. And this had a really nice move up to 2380. And OK, so now here it is. It happened again where the stock reported after the close and and uh, the conference call the st- what was incredible is this stock closed at 23.80 during the conference call or uh, the stock actually hit $17 a share it dropped that far in after hours but listening to the conference call the ceo said you know we we have some lumpy quarters and some of the some of the things that we're going to go into the second quarter have actually been shifted into the third quarter and so i didn't i didn't sell it i actually bought some more after it opened you know and then and then traded it it moved up and now it's moved back and forth and it looks like it's starting to come on again but they're saying the same things the the industry is doing very well offshore is doing extremely well and a lot of international offshore has, has, been, has been doing great. So that's why I stayed with this. Uh, and you can see more of a turnaround situation, some very big quarters coming through. And you got some good volume today as the stock started moving up, uh, mm-hmm. moving higher. You,
0: you, you mentioned you do a lot of research on the companies, and I guess one of the One of the problems sometimes is, you know, some of these industries like, you know, commodity based ones, it's really hard to know, like the differentiation, like, oh, this is this is a midstream company. This is, you know, this is doing, you know, this part of oil, you know, they're all oil related, but it's kind of like, what is what is the advantage that this company has over others? So, uh, I mean, I know, you know, you you mentioned conference calls. What other sources do you go to to kind of educate yourself um, and how? How expert do you feel like you have to get in the industry before you can make a good decision?
1: Well, you're using a combination of, you know, I put a heavy, heavy, heavy weight on price and volume, but then I'm also Mm. looking at the fundamentals of the company. I'm looking at the earnings. I'm also looking, I do this every time. Uh, I look at a stock I go from the, the daily to the weekly to the monthly and so I look at every single time frame of the stock so if you go to the monthly on oceaneer and the international you can see look the stock has made some really nice moves in the past mm-hmm. i mean that's going all the way back you know, in, into the 2000s and, and 2009 to 2014, that's a really nice move. So I have the history a little bit that these things can really take off when the conditions are right for that uh, specific company and for that industry. So, yes, I mean, it, as much as you can, you can. And I look into some other companies, but I, uh, I let the market tell me which are the ones that are positioned best because those are the ones that are going to be the first ones into new high ground, and the ones that are usually going to make uh, the biggest move. So, you know, well, a,
0: uh, a but, quick follow up question because you mentioned the fundamentals. Sometimes with the cyclical stocks they don't have the fundamentals, right? The fundamentals are kind of lacking. So what do you kind of use to kind of say, oh, the estimates are looking good or this is where the turnaround is happening. How do you know? uh, Yeah,
1: Well, you'll usually usually after one or even two, if you can get two quarters of a big turn in earnings, then uh, that will that will give you a clue. You don't have to wait until you get a growth rate growth rate after three years or anything like that. But this (laughs) actually started the move really actually started, at least in terms of the earnings in September of 22, where their sales were up 20 percent and the earnings. Were I guess you know twenty three versus a loss or twenty three versus one, uh, and and so, so it really when the when by the time this gets a growth rate if it lasts for two years or three years and it has a growth rate and it has all these quarters that's probably the time to buy them. So you have to think a little bit uh, opposite is probably the time to sell them. Yes, yeah, yeah, time to sell them. Mm-hmm. The time to buy them is when the earnings are just starting to turn. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what you should be doing on on these cyclical stocks. Mm-hmm. So um, and then I had CRS, uh, CRS, CRS, Carpenter Technology. Technology.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. And that's um, this is just a recent buy. So uh, and, and you can see this is not as dynamic or it can move really as fast. If you if you look at the at the past, I mean, it's kind of a, a slower, uh, steadier type of company in 2003 through 2006 it made a a really huge move so i like to see that and then you can actually see that it's actually you can draw a downtrend line from 2007 across it just broke that in the last couple of months um but this is just a, a recent buy because it's it's been in a nice uptrend and i just last week you see when the market was selling off this stock got very very tight and mm-hmm. you can see the relative strength line was holding extremely well uh, almost looking like it was going into new high ground even though the stock was consolidating and then on Monday that's where I first bought it and then added it add to it uh, yesterday and now it's starting to get a little bit out of there uh, today but you got Three really nice days. Last two days have been very, un, very, very strong earnings. So, so, so you uh, don't
2: consider this a, a little too extended or anything, right?
1: Uh, well, now I think it's getting extended. I mean, the buy okay. point six. It's, you know, I, I guess if you say that most of the base has been built under sixty, you go five okay. percent from that. Then I guess you're talking sixty-three. So, if it's you're sort of getting towards the upper range, you want to be buying it as exact as you possibly can. Um, uh, so, uh, so that there's a third one. And then I guess the last one we could talk about is one I've held since I think October of last year, and this is Elf Beauty, E-L-F. And you can see this has just built a number of great bases along the way. And really since, I mean, you could go all the way back to June of last year, this stock has only spent a couple of days under the 50-day moving average. And those have turned out to be buy spots on this stock because it pulls back and then either earnings are announced or the stock just quickly turns and goes, and goes up. But you can see, I mean, there's buy spots in the 40s in October and November, in the 50s in, you know, in uh, January, February. Uh, then you had another buy spot there in March. You had another buy spot. Well, that was more on earnings, so a little bit harder. But that was uh, that was in May, and then even recently, you know, stock gapped up on earnings again, came all the way back down, got support on the fifty-day moving average, and then they made a great they made an announcement that they were buying another skincare company, and that's a very small. This part of their business, but now it's going to be about 18% of their business. So that is, is going to be additive to earnings and the street really liked it. So you've gotten a few big days of, of, of gains. And I would think here it's going to have to probably spend a few weeks drifting off or going sideways, but it's, it's one that's, that's had a number of bases and continues to, uh, to perform and do well. And is
2: mm-hmm. this one that it just uh, got on the radar back in October because it doubled once?
1: Um, well, yeah, it was, yeah, because it had a nice, a nice move out of a, out of a really nice base. I think it was really August where it really started that, that move the first week in August and then actually kind of based out. But, you know, a lot of it, I, <laughs> while I was coming home, uh, I, when I, when I uh, when we come home from church, it's, we drive about 50 minutes to get to the church we like to go to. And on the way home, I have my wife <laughs> drive and I start going through on my iPad. I start going through ch- charts in the car and I turn to her and I said, you know, have you ever heard of this stock called Elf Beauty? She goes, oh, oh, my gosh, I just, you know, I've been telling some of my friends about I, how I've been buying this. And I said, what are you doing? You're telling your friends and you're not telling me that. You start <laughs> start buying Wasn't that this something
0: stock? in the vows? Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Well. You got married
1: in 87. I'm sure that was yeah. part of your vows. So so she, and I said, oh, that's well, that it's great. But even even that I was late by a few weeks on that stock. But look at the move that the the, the thing has made. But you never know where you're going to get your next great idea. But that's what's so much fun about this business is that it's always this puzzle trying to fit what what are you doing? What are your friends talking about what's the market doing and trying to find that next great winner. And so this is the way. And uh, and even on IBD Live, I remember there was a woman who who said he she said my daughter started using these products I started using these products the woman said and then she said and even the, the her mother was using these products and so you had three generations you all using the product you would have to think that if they were doing it millions of others or hundreds of thousands of others were doing the same thing so that was a great endorsement and I picked I picked that up on IBD live uh, just by talking about the stock So,
0: and, and uh, Arusha, maybe if you show the monthly chart uh, again, just to show how crazy this, this move has been, I mean, it's just, you know, looks, looks straight up now for a lot of people that miss this, there's that kind of urge to like, well, I, I want to own the winner. I want to say I had some of this, Um, but I mean, this thing is sticking straight up. So do you, is this just long gone? And if you don't have it, forget about it, or is this still in one of those? Hey, this was so powerful. Wait for another base, uh, longer yeah. base, and see if it can come out of it again.
1: Yeah, I would. I would wait for a, a longer base. I knew mean, I wouldn't be buying it here, but I would wait for a new base to form, and then um, and then then go ahead and, and buy it. But it might have to. It might have to spend a number of months going sideways after the move that it's made. Uh, but, you know, at some point, people are going to get used to them. You know blowing out the earnings and it won't be as much as, uh, as a surprise. But so that's why I'm thinking it might have to spend uh, a lot of time going sideways before the next move. Mm-hmm. Well, David Ryan, thank you so much for
0: sharing, uh, so much with us today. I mean, between the position sizing and also, uh, how you got into some of these names and, you know, what, what you're looking at, uh, very insightful and, uh, very good stuff for our listeners. So thank you so much for being on the okay. show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's, it's always
0: fun. Okay. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Joining us next week, uh, Mark Minervini is going to be on the show. Of course, David Ryan was actually speaking with Mark Minervini uh, for some of his workshops that he was doing. So we're going to have Mark Minervini back on the show and kind of get his take on what's happening with the market, what stocks he's looking at, and an important learning lesson from him. Hope you stay tuned for that Uh, next week. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any
1: investment decisions.